Hello and welcome to Bottled Up on a mission to create conversations and make the mental health of men a top priority. You're joined by myself, Sunny, and Mayank, close friends from university who want to share the stories of everyday people on our platform. The reason? Because we are not alone. Before we kick this conversation off, thank you for tuning in and listening. If you haven't already, it would be awesome if you could rate, review, and follow our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your conversations. It makes a huge difference to our reach with these awesome guests and potentially life-saving conversations. And if you haven't just yet, it takes 20 to 30 seconds to leave us a review and would help us out massively. Thank you again and buckle up for another great conversation. Yeah, so that, yeah, I think like, no, that's, that's awesome. I think, yeah, we'll definitely like, I guess we'll get into that um, a lot uh, in the next kind of hour or so of how long we've ever had before, Jihin. Um and I was going to ask you, we were actually going to ask you before um, how you slept. That's generally like the first question that we ask people, but you've had, you have a dare iced coffee in front of you and you have like a, I think, I think, I think we got an answer to that. Um, but I think we're going to, we're going to take it, we're going to take it. Oh, and you got your water as well. Awesome. Um, but we're going to, I think we're going to take it a little bit differently. I reckon let's try and ask him the other questions, Sonny, I reckon. You yeah. reckon that's a, it's a good one. All right, cool. Yeah. Um, all right. So what I'm going to ask you is a little bit, a little bit of a deeper question to him. It's uh. If you could live forever, would you? If I could live forever, no, I wouldn't. I think I I believe more in the idea of fulfillment and living as much as possible with the people that I care about. And so I think I'd just get bored. <laughs> I'd get to a point where I'm just yeah. like, I've done everything and there's nothing for me to do anymore. Yeah, so I probably wouldn't yeah. do that. Yeah, okay. Cool, cool. Fin- yeah, finite um, finite time. Oh, what are you doing, what would I do? I'd live forever, mate. Yeah, of course, mate. <laughs> uh, I, I want, I want, I want certainty. That I want, I want to guarantee that tomorrow exists. I, I need certainty in my life. Yeah. I want to live forever. <laughs> no, nah, I'm joking. Yeah. No, I'm joking. Of course. What would you, Sonny? No, nah, I would. Um, Fine, yeah. Nah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy knowing that there's a, there's an end date. I don't know when that end date is, but there's an expiry date somewhere. Mm. Best before, used by, whatever you want to call it. Mm. Um, it's gonna make sure you live. Live, live for the moment. What a I start! Guess. What a so, question! I'm different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what a ripper, ripper, ripper question to start. No. Uh, but yeah, how, how, like, yeah, how, how have you been sleeping? I think it's a, it's a pretty good contextual question. Mm. It's all Jayin for you. Like, obviously, last night might have been a late one, but like, has what's been happening in your world? Obviously, low sleep usually means something. So, um, yeah, yeah. I think for me generally, I've always been pretty poor with my sleep because I don't know, I just struggle with sleep since I was in high school, since the pressure of, you know, studying and all those things. But recently, I think I've realized self-development, personal growth, number one thing about it is sleep. If you don't have sleep, your foundations for the day gets ruined. So I've tried to improve my sleep. Um, Melatonin definitely helps just to give that extra push, (laughs) extra nudge. Um, But yeah, I've been sleeping well. Last night was was wasn't bad it was more so just i had a few things i had to get done um mm. and speak to a few people but it wasn't bad it wasn't one of those moments where i was like oh i'm losing sleep it was like it's worth it <laughs> mm, mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, i've definitely this week uh, i reckon i've had that realization jahin i feel like like yesterday I, I i think for the past two weeks i think i've been averaging around like five hours of sleep i reckon like it's been it's been really bad like as a lot of stuff's happened in the last couple of weeks but i feel like my sleeping patterns have just been just been just ridiculous like uh, my mum's in india at the moment and so i found myself like I, I, my my cousin's over from india at the moment so i feel like i've taken i've, I've taken over mum's role in the house so i'm doing all the drop-offs all the pickups all the, like the the grocery shopping um, and I'm, i feel like i've also adopted her sleeping patterns as well so i've got, I've got a whole newfound respect for her now which is which is, which is really good but yeah my yeah. sleep this week has been shit house and i think i'm definitely feeling the feeling the effects of it now i i know um Jahin, we're obviously going to be talking about and man to your point i've got a question which links back to our earlier conversations oh, yeah. um Jahin, i know because we're obviously going to be talking on a bunch of different topics mm-hmm. um race identity intersectionality your upbringing and everything like that but you've actually got a background in optometry mm-hmm. and, and vision science so um the sleep impact your vision oh absolutely absolutely i think just oh, wow. when you look at it fundamentally when you open your eyes and you want to close them again just that fundamental mm-hmm gives you an indication of 
how important sleep is. So if you, if you don't have proper sleep, you'll have blurry vision. You know, you'll have those tired eyes where your eyelids are just like, no, I want to close. I want to close. I don't, mm. I don't care what you're yeah. doing. I just want to close. And so mm. sleep is yeah. fundamental. I feel like everyone should know that. But again, we live in a society where it's like hustle grind <laughs> means no sleep. That's like the ideal mm. life, which is yeah. fair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's hard. It's been being able to switch off that hustle culture. That whole hustle culture is a huge thing. Um, something we haven't covered on the podcast, but we can touch on that. Oh, I think it's an important topic. Definitely. Of TMA. No, I feel like they, with the with this whole like idea of sleep. I felt like I was reading. Um, I was watching this uh podcast with on Joe Rogan. Um, with uh, Matt Walker, who's like the the sleep architect, I guess, like the person who knows everything about sleep. And he said that uh, I can't remember the exact statistic, but like he said, like if you don't hit your daily kind of sleep threshold or your daily like sleep um average which is i think it's around six or seven hours for um not maybe maybe like seven or eight for people our age apparently it reduces your life expectancy life expectancy like a considerable amount like so like uh, obviously if you have if you have if you have you know johans is contemplating (laughs) my entire life yeah, Sabia. I'm like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to last after, after 60. <laughs> I, I even so. watched a podcast similar to that um, where they were talking about, you know how we always talk about the number of hours we've had of sleep? That's actually mm. very wrong, mm. apparently. It's the quality of sleep quality. that we're yeah. forgetting. Like somebody mm. can have five and a half hours of sleep, but quality deep sleep compared to somebody who might have like nine hours of sleep, but they're waking mm. up in the middle of the night or they're stressing. And so... That's just another mm. ball game that we've, we've never really oh, spoken about. Yeah. And so it just gives yeah. me more stress. So let's not talk about this yeah. any further. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But how do, you, how do you control that? Like, how do you control whether you have like, and this may not, be, may not be a question for you, but a question that I might have is just like, how do you control the quality of your sleep? Like, how do you control how, whether you're, because you don't know like, like consciously, like, okay, I want to go into REM sleep now. Like, this is not how your body works, right? Like, I wish there was a switch that says REM sleep for the next two hours, and then you could be, be up and fresh after you, after you finish that. It's not like it doesn't work like that. I, yeah, I don't know like how you'd control that, but maybe it's a topic for another for 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 another for another day. Yeah, another if any yeah. of the listeners know, please reach out to all of us. Yeah, please, please, <laughs> yeah. please do. We yeah, I think it'll be maybe maybe good to maybe just I guess like give us a bit of background about you, mate. Like I think it's a very open ended question. Whenever we ask our guests, you know, tell us a bit about yourself. Generally, the conversation, the the com the um the response is a long one because you know, as we all know, everyone has a story. Everyone has you know, everyone has a story as to how they how they are and um how they came to be. You know, I think we we've had a conversation. Uh, the three of us have had a conversation um, a couple of months back. You know, you were obviously the 2022 um, Young Australian of the Year finalist, which is an amazing achievement. Um, would love to love to know more about that. But you know, maybe just sort of taking um, a step back and, and and sort of looking at your life as a in sort of the early more formative years. Yeah, tell us, mate. Who is Jahin Tenvia? Ah, oh, that's an existential question. Um, mm. No, first of all, <laughs> thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to connect with such like-minded individuals. Um, who am I? Um, so. Mm. I grew up in Sydney, so grew up in south southwest Sydney. wasn't born here. I was born in Taka, Bangladesh, so very typical South Asian migrant. Um, mm. Came down here, grew up through the public uh, public education system, and then to, then went to private education system in high school. Both experiences, you know, both have trauma, but also you know have shaped <laughs> what I think about education and just my career in general. Um, and then moved to Canberra once I graduated high school to study optometry. Um, why I'm studying optometry? Again, I'm South Asian. <laughs> we have an mm. obsession with the medical <laughs> health field. So um, always had a bit of interest there and um, realized the importance of that. Um, but then once I you know, started university, I realized I had more of a passion for the community side of things, the advocacy, community, mm. um, youth leadership aspect. So I got involved with a lot of youth organizations, um, organizations around the community in Australia. And honestly, my whole story is just one door opened up and then another door started opening up and then another door started opening up. And I just found myself Mm. in this position where I was given really cool opportunities to be on like panels, you know, conferences um, and just building a profile, honestly. You know, it's just been a very rewarding journey. It's been a roller coaster. Don't get me wrong. Um, but it's been a journey where I've just found myself 
in a position where I'm able to influence in a way that probably someone my age shouldn't have the opportunity to. Um, and so mm. I d- don't take that for granted. Um, I've worked with the government. I've worked with different organizations, really trying to shift how young people, but p- particularly young people mm. of color, young people from migrant yeah. communities, multicultural communities have a say in how the country runs. Um, so that's me, you know, philosophically in a nutshell um yeah. as, as, a, as a day job i work as a consultant um nice. yeah no very boring um but <laughs> um i also run a social enterprise um called breathe where we teach yeah. young people children from multicultural marginalized communities public speaking um i think that's a soft nice. skill that we just don't acknowledge and talk about as much as we should be so for me it was just a bit of a passion project um to be able to do something for the community and give back while I, you know, have my own career growth, whatnot. So yeah, that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, nice. nice. <laughs> it's a very philosophical question that Manx posed yeah. to kick things off. Yeah. Um, and uh, I thought I might as well continue that train of thought. Um, so Jayan, you obviously, um, family and you migrated from Bangladesh, and you know your platform. You speak a lot about you know, identity, race, um, and kind of unpacking parts of our own story and and having that voice to speak up. Um, You know, looking you up and and seeing some of the work that you're doing, um, you know, as I guess my family is a migrant, uh, we're we're migrants ourselves, Mank, same with you as well. But um, we, like, you know, one one thing we struggle with in our culture is doubt and and self-doubt, particularly um, as we continue to grow. And build out our own circles of family and friends and have our own voice. Like it's almost like we're treated as sort of second-class citizens in a way. I, 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 not to say that the system is necessarily bad. I'm, I'm keen to get your perspective on that, but um, you sometimes just feel that, I guess, growing up uh, in, in Australia and in the culture that we have. So with you, um, what kind of got you into the work that you're doing um, at the moment Um and, you know, what are your first memories? You know, you, you talked a moment ago about primary school and high school, both having sort of traumatic experiences uh, in their own. So kind of like a twofold question around, you know, what are your, what are your first memories growing up mm. in Australia? Um, and, you know, what are those experiences mm. uh, throughout high school and primary school? Because I'm sure that had shaped mm. your own self-doubt and, and the platform that you have today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, first of all, just growing up, as I mentioned, being a first-gen migrant, I'm sure a lot of us can relate. There's just a lot of dissonance between yourself and the general community. So racism, discrimination, bullying, whether it's at school or the public transport, you just can't escape it. And I guess that's where the doubt comes from. And I think if I'm being honest, that you can never shake off the doubt. Even now, you know, I'm 21. I still feel a lot of doubt in terms of my identity, in terms of going through the motions of, you know, trying to make it, uh, per se in society and mm. yeah so I think pub, uh, primary school was the worst for me in the sense of there was just a lot of racism a lot of you know mockery and um, condemnation around you know how I look me speaking a different language um, you know having a darker skin color and so that was not that was a point in my life where I was just like I don't want to be who I am I just want to be someone else just to feel that sort of like acceptance um and i didn't want to share it with anyone i think that's a lot of that's something we a lot we go through a lot we just want to keep it to ourselves because we feel like it's embarrassing or nobody would understand it and so my primary school years were just that me keeping it to myself just crying whenever i'm about to go to sleep because i'm like oh i have school tomorrow like i don't want to go but i know i have to go because i need to get an education you know, I can't let my, my parents down. And so that was primary for me. And then high school, high school got better um, in the sense of, you know, you get older, you um, get bigger, <laughs> you sort yeah. of, um, <laughs> you can buy yeah, back a little bit more. You have more empowerment um, coming through your system because you realize, okay, I've got more capacity now. I'm not that little kid anymore, but the doubt still remains. Um, uh, I was lucky enough to go to a more multicultural school in high school, you know, in my tribe, essentially. Um, and I think it came to like year 11, year 12, where I was just like, I'm sick and tired of feeling so much doubt, so much self-condemnation, so much, you know, battling my own identity. I just want to live, you know, I just want to do whatever I want to pursue and just be myself, really. And it wasn't an overnight thing. It was more so just like a gradual process where I was like to myself, you know what, from tomorrow, 
I'm going to start taking small steps to just mm. appreciate who I am and just accept myself. So whether it's, you know, putting my hand up more in class or speaking to someone in the playground that I've never spoken to before, just like small things. And I was like, this will help me. If it doesn't, then I give up. <laughs> um, and mm. so that was my thinking. Um, and it did get better. I was, I was slowly getting out of my shell and yeah. And then university came and I'm sure all of us are aware. It's a massive cultural shock where we're just like, okay, mm. we're not kids anymore. Mm. We're like, I'm sitting <laughs> yeah. in a classroom lecture with somebody who's like 35 and it's like, I'm fresh out of high school. Mm. Um, and so that was a massive culture shock for the first, I'd say semester. And, but then you realize we have time on our hands. We have so much that we can do. And I sort of just took advantage of that and started getting involved as much as possible in not only my career, but just the community stuff and things that interested me. Um, uh, we, we were talking about the whole question about um, if we want to live forever at the beginning. And I was just like, no, I get bored very yeah. easily. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's yeah. my reality. Like I get bored very quickly. And so if I have a diversity of things like community work, study, normal work that excites me because i realize i don't want mm. every day to be the same i want like different things mm. happening so that's just always been sort of my mantra there mm. um mm. and in terms of answering your question why i'm doing all this um my main response has always been you can't be what you can't see you know going back to growing mm. up it's always been like nobody looks like me nobody is in leadership positions or role model positions who have a darker skin color or who are, who are migrants and so for me, I know I'm still young. I'm still, I've still got a lot to learn, mm -hmm. but my massive inkling inside of me is just like, if I can show someone else, if I can show another migrant kid or an indigenous kid or a refugee kid that you can make it, you can, you know, overcome these obstacles as romanticized as it sounds. If you put in the hard work, you can do it. Mm -hmm. That's everything for me. That's the quote unquote legacy mm -hmm. that I want to um, sort of leave behind yeah mm. I, it's a it's an interesting one and like i've also been thinking about this idea of legacy in my own life like as as we continue growing uh getting older and um you know we pick up different experiences we hope to make an impact in some of those experiences um but for me and this is just my thoughts like if you extend the time horizon long enough everything is forgotten um, and so that really makes you think about, okay, what are the other things in my life that I can optimize for? And those things I can optimize for are how people around me feel, how I feel, um, you know, what I can share or um, pass on to others um, or what they can pass on to me as well, right? Because everything is forgotten uh, at a certain uh, point in time. So I'm wondering for you, like <clears throat> you mentioned that being an interesting point and in, in the context of, um, you know, showing someone else that, um, you know, people of color can get into these leadership positions. People of color can make impact and, and do great things. For you, who was your role model growing up? Um, because, you know, um, for me, especially as a person of color, I didn't see many people <laughs> of color in leadership positions. They definitely were. You just, it wasn't representative, right? Um, um, and so, you know, the, the questions I have here is like, who were your role models growing up? And how did you continue having hope? Um, you know, as, as you saw that lack of representation, um, yeah, like that voice that just goes off in your head being like, mm. okay, this is just not working out. Like, you know, mm. there's, there's people that have tried before me, there's ceilings to shadow. And part of it is that growth mindset, but keen to know like who you looked up to and, and how that kind of played out for you. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, initially my immediate role models, I know it's cliche, but I don't care. But you know, my mom, <laughs> you know, seeing yeah. my mom migrate from, the country that she had literally everything she she was one of those you know overachievers at a young age and she had so much mm. um in bangladesh but then she migrated to australia just for the sake of her children you know just knowing about that that was a massive motivation because on one hand you're like okay that's that's cool you've done it for us thank you but then on the other side you're like there's that pressure of i don't want to let that sacrifice go to waste i don't want to waste my life and you know ruin what you know, she did for me and, and our family. And so I think my mom's been a rock for me. She's been a massive uh, motivation and inspiration. And yeah, I mean, growing up, diversity and representation for role models were just close to non-existent. You know, now obviously we've mm. got a lot 
of like politicians we've got leaders um but i think when i was growing up i would always look at role models in the sense of sports so like athletes mm-hmm. i was a massive sports fanatic so like cricket mm-hmm. soccer and my rooms would be plastered with posters of you know cristiano ronaldo and you know um cricket players like brett lee and i'd look up to them like growing up as like okay they're symbols of hope but then you get a bit older and you realize okay put it bluntly they're all white <laughs> whereas i come from a south asian <laughs> person of color background and then i would look into the history of you know people individuals like you know muhammad ali um you know individuals who you know made something of, of themselves in a sport that really didn't welcome them um and so i looked at them and i had my posters changed to my war um to like you know muhammad ali quotes and you know mm. basketball players like michael michael jordan and it's just like i've always looked at sports stars as role models because i think i just see them as individuals who've both used like the physical side of things but also the mental side of things to say i've i can create a world for myself i can create a, an identity that i'm just going to be brave and showcase the world um because sports is brutal you know it's, it's, it's a very brutal landscape and seeing them almost like gladiators mm. in in a very unwelcoming and uncomfortable state i was like that's mm. cool like that's what i mm. want to be obviously it won't be in, in on the court or on the pavilion but i can do this you know in at university or i can do this um in the community landscape whatever it is and so that that's how i see it like i see a lot of sports in my life i've learned so much you know so many lessons from sports and I guess that's they've always been like massive role models because I feel like I can translate their struggles and their stories into my life. Obviously it's not as fun and exciting when you're like mm. comparing somebody <laughs> who's about to go into the mm. finals compared to me doing my final yeah. exams, you know, it's it's not yeah. the same. But like the motivation, like that's what I, you know, sort of mm. take because that's the closest mm. I can get to uh, in terms of diversity mm. and representation. Often um we actually had a conversation right before this um with another with another guest and he actually asked us and that, that's the reason for Sonny's question i really love that question because like often when we try and figure out our own role models we often look at their own personality traits and how we can relate those personality traits to our own to our own selves and for, for me for example um i was actually very similar to you in your response to him um you know one of my one of my greatest sporting idols and obviously like you know i've got a lot of close close family and friends that obviously are number one in shaping and shaping who i am and who i owe a lot to um, but in terms of being a role model, external from that has been, you know, it, I sort of go to my sporting athletes and that's someone like Roger Federer. For me, he's he's someone who has shown resilience in times of adversity. Um, I, I love him because, you know, he, you know, he just, he just shows grace and class and everything, and everything that he does. And in a sport that, you know, sometimes grace and class isn't really, isn't synonymous with, with, with tennis usually. I mean, it's, it's more just, you know, you know, you got you got spoiled brats throwing t- tennis rackets everywhere, and you know you got people like Nick Kyrgios, Bernard Tomic. So, you know, it's, he reminds me of someone who stays true to his own self and um and, and stays true to his authentic self, particularly in a in, in a situation where you know it's not really it's not really like that. And I, and it kind of sort of goes back to you know sort of taking it back to your to your early early on in your life when you were trying to find who your authentic self was. And that, and obviously that was that's what created that kind of self doubt within you because I remember you, you've spoken a lot um, in other interviews um, and, and other conversations around you know trying to find your own self identity particularly when you were younger you were kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place in that you know you you couldn't really identify yourself as Australian because people racially abused you for the color of your skin but you could also couldn't identify as Bangladeshi because you didn't you hadn't really gone back. You hadn't gone back in such a long time, and you, you know you only you only went there sort of one or two, one, two to three years, and I can I can really relate to that because when I whenever I go back to India, and um, people can immediately tell that I'm foreign. For some, I don't know, it's a sixth sense. I don't know what it is, the way I dress, the way I speak, or the color of my skin. I don't I don't know what it is, but <laughs> people, even though I'm Indian, people, you know, they, they 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 the first question that they always ask me is, you know, when did you come here? Like you're not from India, are you? Like they, they they always do that. So I would love to um you know when did you sort of I guess like my question to you is and I know it's a very long winded one but when did you kind of come up with that prof- such a profound realization about your own identity? I mean like when I was in primary school, all I thought about was you know 
What am I having for recess? What am I having for lunch? When's free time? Whereas you are asking such, you are asking such philosophical questions about your own self, um, about who your identity was, which I think is a massive, it's a massive difference. I would love to know, like, how did you sort of come to that kind of realization and asking those questions? I think for me, um, to, to put it as simply as possible, when you are sort of segregated so much, when you feel so sad about mm. everything, you have a lot of time for reflection. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're just isolated and you're just like, what else do I think about but my mm. problems? And so I think being in those situations, I've, I used to think a lot, um, a lot of nonsense, mm. don't get me wrong, but a lot of things I was just like, okay, why is this happening? I was very curious more than, more than being like, um, you know, oh, I, I hate my life. I don't want this to happen anymore. I was more like, why is this happening? Why are they saying these things? Why am I in this situation? And I think, I think that curiosity um, really did push me to find answers and also try to translate them mm-hmm. into actions. Um, like I've never spoken about, you know, being my experience with racism um, before. I've always held it to myself. I've always felt like if I do talk about it, you know, I'll never get a job mm-hmm. ever again because, you know, cultural diversity it's something people think it's too much it's too much to um, bring someone into the workplace for instance or this company because they'll make it they'll make mm. an issue out of it um and so that's what i've always been told just keep it to yourself take some actions with community work um and just don't be vulnerable mm. essentially um and i've always kept it to myself and that, that's how it that's how it's always been but then i think last year and you know when i went to university i was like you know what, this is something I can't escape. This is, these are experiences that have shaped me. And I know how many people have suffered from racism or discrimination. And so what better way to be vulnerable than on a TEDx stage where, where like millions of people can see it, right? Not the best idea. <laughs> but I was like, yeah. why not? You know, I needed something to talk about. And so that's when I opened up um, on the TED talk that I did last year, just about racism, literally like, as vulnerable as I can ever be. Um, and I was afraid. I was certainly very afraid. I was like, okay, that's it. That's it. My career is done. Um, this is the last point of, <laughs> this is the last legacy as I were talking about that people are going to remember me for. Um, but the response that I got from it in terms of like DMs and emails and just people reaching out has just propelled me in a way that I've never yeah. felt before. Um, I've seen so many people just say, thank you for sharing. And I started crying. I, you know, I, I've experienced this before. I, I don't know how to articulate it. You, you did it for me. And I was just like, that's crazy to me. You know, the fact that people are showing my Ted talk in, in school classrooms and all these things, that's given me a lot of strength mm-hmm. because I realized all those years of me just, you know, crying before going to sleep because I don't want to go to school and just thinking about why I'm so different mm-hmm. or why people treat me so differently it pays mm. off, you know, don't get me wrong. I wish I never went through them because there were struggles. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the things at, at, at that age, when you're 10, 12, 14, you shouldn't be going through, you know, you should be worrying about other things like, you know, just having fun and just messing around as, as, as a kid. Um, so they were definitely quite traumatic um, in the sense, but I realized if I didn't go through that, I wouldn't be able to have the motivation mm. to, to, you know, be sincere with my work and be able to balance everything because it's hard, you know, like balancing university work and, you know, advocacy. But I realized if, if not me, who, if not now, when, you know, that that's the quote that always rummages through my mind because you realize the impact you make. Like I'm sure both of you have realized the impact you make with this podcast. You know, five years ago, would you ever think you you would be talking on a podcast with so many guests about such an important issue. No, but like you realize now you've got a platform, you're like leaders in the field. And so similar to that, I was just like, I realize I have an, a lived experience, but also I have that courage to say, let me talk about it. Let me actually say, you know, let me be a bit more brave um, and, you know, let go of that doubt for just a little bit and just talk about it in, in a way that others can resonate. And I think, trying to be a torchbearer um, is, is something that's very important to me. Um, you know, the, the, it's weird, but there's this, um, this song by Kid Cudi. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, I, I love hip hop. Um, 
so i forgot what the song's called but he talks about um being a sacrifice just to show like mm. kids that they're they're not alone um and so i think that has always been the mantra for me where it's like if i can show someone else that it's okay that they can overcome it that's mm. enough for me that's like a life lived mm. well mm. you know like as you're going through these experiences like people that are listening in like um i i suffered from a little bit of racism uh back in like i think it was like yeah five or six and and it was because i had like packed food like ethnic food indian food <laughs> that would just stink the whole way um and so <laughs> um i was wondering like for you how did it kind of play out from a mental health perspective like either physically emotionally spiritually like you know as you were hearing like a lot of the racist remarks and people talking behind your back and you not kind of feeling your place in in society how did that kind of play out for yourself? Um, yeah, for me, it was like a lot of like, like obviously one, I, I felt as a misfit, but only later in life could I start to like unpack some of that trauma that took place. Um, and yeah, so what was it like for you? Well, for me, it was just a lot of anxiety to put it simply. Um, mm-hmm. Growing up, I had a lot of social anxiety, which wasn't natural. You know, my, my parents are both very mm-hmm. good communicators, they're very open and, you know, extroverted but for me going through those experiences at a young age i was like you know what i'm never going to talk again or i'm afraid to talk Mm. i had a lot to say even in the classroom environment um with different peers i knew i had a lot to say but i was like i'm afraid of judgment i'm afraid people would say why is he talking he's not allowed Mm. to talk you know stuff like that you know Mm. and so i think a lot of social anxiety which led to anxiety in general uh growing up um Mm. and it went to a point where i was just like i feel so much um so overwhelmed with these emotions every time i would have to do just the smallest thing like answer back to Mm. the teacher and say what's what's you know what's the answer to two plus two in my head i'd be like i know it's four but (laughs) what if that person thinks it should be five or what you know what i mean like it's just so much overthinking and it sounds ridiculous now and i'm just like if, if i could just go back and just hug myself when I was younger, I would, but it's just a lot of overthinking, a lot of doubting myself um, and trying to deal with the idea of perfectionism, of trying to fit in because I would always see other people as perfect. Like they're fitting in, people love them. That's so cool. Mm. I want that. I want that perfectionism. And I've had to deal with perfectionism. Even to this very day, I'm, I'm still not good with that. Like the reason I was up until 3 a.m. yesterday was because I was trying to perfect you know, like, like something to do with work, work related, but I still have to deal with that. You know, um, I have to understand that it's progress. That's more important than actually trying to reach a stage. That's a hundred percent. Um, and I think that comes from, you know, a lot of childhood things where I'm just, where I used to always compare with other people, um, and trying to, you know, like, like you said, you know, being a second class citizen or having that mindset, it's like, you have to prove yourself double. Yeah than somebody who would just be there um, alone. And now I realize obviously it's, it's a bit more different now, but that's how I used to always feel. And I think those small fragments mm-hmm. still affect me to this very day. Um, but I've always obviously had a lot of help and support and, you know, self epiphanies and all those things. Um, but I think just mm-hmm. dealing with that and dealing with the idea that it's okay to be yourself. It's okay to have your own standards. You don't mm-hmm. have to meet those standards that, in most cases we make up in our minds there's no such thing as perfection Mm. it's just the things that we make up in our mind and i think i've had to deal with that and just a lot of anxiety around that you mentioned like um social anxiety um and ah, i forget the other one that you were talking about but um like social anxiety uh, and like self-doubt especially in a public speaking realm like you're putting yourself out there all those experiences you know you've had some that i've had as well like growing going through kind of your early formative years it kind of puts you in a little shell and part of it is like kind of breaking through that shell having a bit of confidence in yourself and in a public speaking a lot of people would rather die than i've heard that yeah heard than that, speak yeah. on a platform yeah. right and yeah it's like it's like nothing worse than when you're like got like 100 sets of eyeballs is looking at you you're sweating like people generally feel like they would like it's it's like super close to death in in a way and so um I'm wondering how you've been able to kind of 
go about building or breaking through your own social anxiety, building your own confidence, breaking through your own self-doubt. Um, because as I say that as a question, it sounds like I've like, it's so easy just to say, Oh, how did you break through your self-doubt, you know, or, and all that, but it's, there's so much to unpack there. Um, and I'm wondering like how you are able to process that because now you jump on a stage, I'm sure. And maybe there might still be some nerves, but at least a lot more confidently than you have ever been, uh, in the past. Yeah. I mean, the nerves never go away. Um, it's, it's always there, but I think, um, Brene Brown has this beautiful quote, which summarizes that response in my story. And it's like, she says, it's not about being less fearful. It's about being more brave. And for me, you know, it's always been a bit of practice when I left um, high school. It was like, I know if I want to make change, I have to communicate properly. I have to actually make them take me seriously. And the only way that is possible is if they listen to me, if they actually listen to how I use my hands, how my posture, my tone of voice. And so it's always been practice um, doing small, small things like, you know, being on a panel or, you know, leading a Zoom meeting or whatever it is. It's just, it's always been, putting yourself out there and embracing the discomfort. Um, and yeah, it's like, it's scary. Like the reason I started my company was because mm. of that. Cause I realized three in four people have a fear of public speaking. Like that's crazy mm. to me. And as somebody who's been on both sides of the spectrum of, you know, having severe social anxiety and then, you know, having the privilege of, you know, being on stage and speaking in front of hundreds of people, I realized the, on the other side, the enjoyment, the adrenaline, the rewarding feeling, it's unmatched. Like I genuinely feel like a rock star when I'm on stage. That's how I see it. Like whenever I'm traveling around the country for speaking gigs or events, I tell myself, you know, you're going on tour. You're not going on work. You're not going on, you're not, you're not going to do this. You're on tour. And so for me, that excitement, I want others to feel because not only does it feel amazing for you to be on stage, but also you know, you realize you have a platform, you have the ability to share your lived experience, whether it's something immensely sensitive to people such as mental health, or, you know, your own lived experience with discrimination, or even if it's just up there, energizing the crowd and talking about leadership or talking about something funny and making the mm. crowd laugh. It's the best it's feeling contagious. I've ever had yeah. in my entire life. Yeah, it's literally like, you know, I, I get giddy. Like I'm literally, literally getting giddy with joy just talking about it. And so for me, realizing that, realizing that's what makes me feel alive more than anything. Like, don't get me wrong. I love the hustle grind. I love just my social life. I love that aspect of being young. But for me, public speaking um, and being able to share my story, but also captivate the audience. Mm. That's where I'm like, all my experiences, everything I've gone through, my mental health journey, that's the reason I went through all that so that I can share it and be like, this is me and let thousands of people hear it. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So. And you spoke there around like the, that, that, I guess like the process of becoming your authentic self and, and putting yourself in situations that allowed you to sort of break out of living more in the, in the shadow of your own kind of self doubt. Um, I would love to know. And I think we've been very existential in the way that we've been asking our questions today, but like in a, <laughs> Yeah, but in a parallel it. universe, for example, in a parallel universe on planet, on in, in the multiverse or whatever, where would Jahin Tenvir be had he not taken that leap of faith or if he wasn't accepted by those around him when he did sort of break out of his own shell? Ooh, that's, that's a deep question. Um, honestly, I'd probably be very depressed. I would, you know, probably be in one of those situations where I'm just doing things for the sake mm. of it going through the motions of my day um probably just just studying going through the loop of study work sleep repeat and i would be very miserable uh, like i said I'm, I'm someone who gets bored very easily I, I want some you know excitement diversity that's how i enjoy my life um, but that only comes with the idea of you know putting myself out there and so if i didn't put myself out there I'd be very, very miserable to say the least, just going through the motions and to be, to put it, put it bluntly, living for the sake of it, um, living for others rather than myself. Did you, and like, as you were, I mean, it's always good to reflect on it, to see like that, that question that makes us to like, see how far we've come. Um, because it's so, so easy. Is it just to be swept under the rug with, you know, the feeling of shame, the feeling of guilt, the feeling of self-doubt just to 
plague us, right? So it takes us like a really, it's a really conscious decision to really step away and actually be like, hang on a second, there's much more out there for us. For you, Jahin, like, you know, especially in like year 11, year 12, when you started stepping out of your shell a little bit more, um, or even just generally, like, have you had a lot of friends? Like, how have your conversations been with your friends? Like, obviously, now that you're on a platform, you're speaking about your story, I can only think that, you know, people have come out to you and shared some of their stories. And, you know, how how has it been just like listening to those stories? Um, and yeah, just like listening to those stories, processing it and kind of, you know, I guess the point I'm trying to get at is like, what feeling do you get when, when you hear people talking about that story? Because um, obviously it's like, you know, I feel, you know, there's, there's that sense of like, shit like this is still going on we've still got a long way to go but also on the other hand it's like damn man like i'm really proud of you for like coming forward and sharing some of that i felt the exact same way like how do you process it all when someone reaches out to you well to be honest with you i think uh, it is overwhelming sometimes um i'm always shocked because whenever i have people reach out to me especially people who have known me since primary school high school and they say oh i also went through that back in the day or i also went through that in high school and then I would, I would look at them and look at those, you know, conversations. And I'm like, really? I had no idea. Like literally for them to say, I also went through that or this is what I went through. And I'd be like, but I idolized you as perfection. You know, I, you were so popular. You looked like, you know, you had everything under control. And that's when I get very shocked. I'm like realizing all of us struggle very deeply. Like it's just our perceptions that we think, oh, they're the popular kid. They're, they're cool. They're going to make it. I wish I was them. But then you have that conversation, that deep conversation, and you realize, wait, they're having that massive internal battle that nobody knew about. So I think I just get, I just get shocked. I'm just like, far out, man. Like what happened? Yeah. <laughs> um, but then on the other side, obviously it's, it's very rewarding just being able to have that conversation and be intimate and say, you know, just be vulnerable. I think vulnerability is, is, is beautiful. Um, it's, it's, we, see it with so much fear growing up but when you actually have a conversation as an adult when you realize hey man life shit sometimes yeah. <laughs> when you can actually just sit down with someone over coffee or even just over text and just acknowledge yeah. that um, and just share it and make fun of each other's lives um personal lives whatever it is just when we can just talk about it in a way that like you're sort of released from those yeah. chains of like, expectations and you're just being vulnerable that's so cool to me like that's that that's immensely rewarding and i feel like you get to build more intimate and deeper connections and relationships with people when you're vulnerable and it also makes you realize as a person that we're all human at the end of the day like if you treat somebody with kindness you'll realize they appreciate that more than you can even perceive it to be um and that's what i've realized and even now when i see like an e i get like an email which sounds a bit you know patronizing or a bit aggressive in my head rather than getting like mad or being like pissed off, I'm just like, you know what? They're probably having a bad day. And just having mm. that mentality, I think is very important. And having those conversations has helped me conjure up that mentality as well. How like when you, I'm not too sure, like if you receive hate or if people kind of diminished or um, patronize the views that you have, like how do you go about processing that? I mean, to be honest with you, I if, if it's happening yeah happens. I, I don't think i haven't really experienced any sort of hate directly to me i'm sure people are talking you know amongst themselves mm. about different things that's something you can't control um but directly i've never been i've never received any sort of nasty comments i have seen a few things on twitter whenever i've been on tv and they're just like you know some <laughs> like oh this brown kid <laughs> is on tv but then they like compliment you i remember there was this one comment where it was like um there's that brown kid um speaking with the politicians he's so articulate and i'm just like you used brown kid but then you sort of you know complimented me and it was just like just navigating that i'm just like yeah Makes i'm just no like sense. people have their own opinions i couldn't care less if anything I, I took a screenshot of that and put it in the group chat and it was just like we're just having fun with it um and i think when you can take things lightly even if it's like the things that probably come off racist or discriminatory you realize okay i've got a platform i can talk about it later but stuff like this especially on social media 
take it with a grain of salt. It's not real reality, you know. It's just what some some of the stuff that's on social media is just like absolute nonsense. Man, I could go for hours upon hours just talking about it. And it's just like it's funny. It's like a it's like a roast to me, but like I'm ha- I'm getting energized yeah. by it. Yeah, uh, it's like Novak, right? Mank, mm. like when he gets hate in like the stadium, and I've I've listened to a couple of Novak's uh, podcasts. He like he channels mm. that as like people chanting for him. Like that is yeah. that is a wonderful quality to have like built that. Yeah, yeah. This has been um, good. This has been really good. Yeah, this has been a good conversation. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, dude. Thank you so much for sharing that. And um, I guess no, thank you so much for for joining us, man. Like it's been it's been it's been it's been a really good conversation, and. You know, I think it's just been like I think we've definitely explored some topics that we haven't really just spoken about before, and yeah, I think we've really enjoyed. It. I, think I, I, had, I just had a look at the time, and we've already gone to about we've already had a chat for about fifty minutes. So it's like it's really a testament to how how well well spoken you are. We do have a couple of rapid fire questions for you, Jahin, just to, just in case people don't have, don't don't know don't know about you for the past 50 minutes but um before we get into that mate now where can people find you give us the give us the the plug of of J- of jahint and via yeah and even breath as well because i know we we haven't spoken too yes, much about breath we but, haven't spoken um, yeah some exciting news on your end on that front jahint mm. yeah i mean if anybody wants to get in contact or talk about anything they can just hit me up on social media instagram facebook it's literally just jahint and via um, if you're on Twitter, it's jahintanvir with underscore. And I've also got a website, which a lot of people just randomly send me messages, which is weird. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> I'm always down for a coffee or a conversation. So, yeah, it's just my name. You can search it up and, yeah, feel free to, you know, have a conversation. I, I love talking to people and meeting people from different um, backgrounds and cultures. So always up for it. <laughs> Mm. love it love it um love it, well i think it's rapid fire time and this will uh if, Jahin, if you've done your homework none of these questions will be new to you i have these not are... done it yeah. i'm just caffeinated right now <laughs> he's caffeinated it's awesome um we've got eight questions uh here um how do we want to start it off mank <laughs> do you want um do you want to kick it off yeah okay cool i'll kick it off um okay Go go to genre when you want to energize yourself, and genre can be anything: music, film, anything, mate. Uh, hype or UK rap music. Nice, huge. Uh, like huge. grime. Sorry, like grime. Yes, UK. yes. Yeah. Stormzy, Dave. You know, yeah, Skepta. Nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Dave's good. I like yeah. Dave. Yeah, all of them are good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, mate, we got to yeah. share playlists then. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. There's like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know if you listen to a lot of Daisy music, but there's like Daisy Grime. Yes. You've come across yes. that. Gen- yeah. 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 Like, yeah. I, I just got into I've, it. I just. I've never had. I've never heard of Daisy Grime. JJ Esco is a is a big one. There's a, there's a couple yeah. other ones. Um, I got a whole playlist on it. Um, <laughs> nice. uh, second question is. Uh, how much were you looking forward to Eid during Ramadan? <laughs> yeah, that's the only thing that got me through it. <laughs> Just thinking about the food, um, I was like, you know what? This is it. This is it. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, next one. A- an embarrassing fact about yourself, mate. An embarrassing fact. Oh God. Mm. Um. Um. I can't tie my shoelaces properly uh, I, I struggle <laughs> no way all the time like I, I can do the technique and everything but they just they just come out all the time um and so it's it's, yeah. it's, it's annoying but i always tuck it into the back of my shoes um but yeah it's, it's, it's embarrassing <laughs> <laughs> oh that's all right mate. <laughs> yeah i feel like the shoelace one has taken me a while to get as well <laughs> I, I i couldn't do yeah um i yeah uh, there's a, I'll, I'll save the embarrassing facts for after because they're very embarrassing. <laughs> um, My whole life's an embarrassment, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, don't know if you watch like Bollywood films, but uh, favorite like Daisy or Bollywood movie or song? Uh, favorite movie, hands down, Three Idiots uh, with yeah. Amir Khan. Such yeah. a good movie. <laughs> like the older I get, the more I resonate with every single element of that yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you watch like Zindigan and Amir Oh, yeah. yes. Yes. Yeah. It's such a good movie. My friends and I are actually movie. planning um, <laughs> like a trip to just sort of replicate that. Um, <laughs> yeah. running, of the, running of the Bulls? We, we, we did it. It's on the list. Did you actually? Uh, uh, Mank man yeah. ran with the Bulls. I did the skydive. Yeah. Um, and the tumble cleaner. Uh, no, I don't need the tumble it's on the list. Yeah. It's on the list for the end of the year. 
Yeah, I would, wouldn't recommend it though. Like it's pretty like the, the festival runs for two weeks, and um, on this, so we were on the second last day of the festival, and we ran it, and we had a pretty clean run. But the the run after us, the day that happened, the day after us, um, two Australians got gored. Um, so oh, would would wouldn't um wouldn't recommend um wouldn't recommend the uh, the bull run. But if you things if you do survive, it's a great story to tell. So I'll I'll, I'll let you know. So there, maybe that's some sort of material you can use for your public speaking. Actually. If you do survive, <laughs> that that's daunting. <laughs> yeah, if you survive, mate. It's, it's not even if you yeah if you, if you survive unscathed, mate. Like it's 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 a great uh, great experience. Okay. Um, hindsight's obviously a great thing. Um. All right, so the next one is uh, best HSP place in Sydney. Ooh, right next to my school in Greenacre. We were obsessed with it. Um, so if you, any, anybody in Sydney who goes to Greenacre, the shop mm. in Kisula, fantastic, mm. fantastic. And they give you <laughs> massive proportions for what you pay for. Nice. Massive. Yeah. <laughs> it's a yeah. good, good, nice. good, good bang for your buck. 100%, yeah. 100%. And a free drink as well. Never, oh, never, there you never, go. Never, never <laughs> yeah. Green, green nice. acre. I'll keep it. Keep an eye out. We'll put in the show notes below. They've just got <laughs> some free advertising without even realizing. <laughs> I yeah. hope they're still open. I haven't been there in a long time. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Obviously, the business. You got to keep giving them business. Um, I'm trying to keep my weight as well. You know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, last one. Uh, where do you want to live or work from in the future? If you've got plans to go international where do i want to work um i think i want to at least work in the uk for a bit um just enjoy that landscape mm. and i'm also a massive uh, manchester united fan so i want to live in manchester ah, for a bit and go ends. yeah go see the go see Old the Trafford. matches yeah i want a photo in front of the statue just with ronaldo oh no yeah, yeah just yeah that's one of the main um, goals just to be able to live there for a bit and just to enjoy that you know that lifestyle mm. of just soccer 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 Oh, sorry, yeah. football, football, football. <laughs> sorry, sorry. football. Absolutely, football. absolutely mad, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, uh, allow no. it, allow it. <laughs> um, nice. Well, thank you, man. You too. Uh, thank you for an awesome conversation and thank you for a pretty hilarious rapid fire as mm. well. Um, very keen to connect again at some stage. I know you're up in Sydney, so if you ever do get the chance to come down to Melbourne, um, Mang's holding a house party, so um, we'll give you the details <laughs> for that one <laughs> shortly. Yeah. Um, but no, thank you heaps. And, and yeah, uh, looking forward to connecting again very shortly. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks, bra. And that's a wrap for this episode. If you're enjoying our conversations, please help us out with a quick rate and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. All the conversations are recorded in video, so check us out on Instagram and Facebook at our handle at Bottled Up Oz. Drop us a comment or a message if any of these conversations resonate with you, and most importantly, please share this podcast with anyone who might need it. So as always, this is Bottled Up. Thanks for being part of our family, and see you next time.